It's that time of year where everybody thinks everybody else has the Rona. You get to hacking and coughing. Everybody looks at you like you're crazy. And the reality of it is, yes, we are a little bit crazy. Do what? Were you picking on the pastor, sir? Was I picking on people? Never, never, never. It's not nice to lie anywhere. (laughs) So last week, as I mentioned, a number of our families are hurting. A number of our families are going through tough times. And then Tuesday came. And Tuesday was truly one of the hardest days I've ever had in ministry. And I had two men pray over me Tuesday morning. And I appreciated those two men very much. And Woody prayed with me in my office. And I, I, I appreciate so much when men come and stand beside me in a time that is tough and hard. Mike um, Blaze came and, and prayed with me as well. And, and I just greatly appreciate those two men because they saw the, the pain, the, the, the not knowing what to do, just trusting that God had it covered. Um, it, it's tough, but I, I'm telling you, those men responded for me that day because I felt that no matter what I said, it would not bring comfort. And so I'm very thankful for those responding to me in my time of trouble, but now how do we respond in our time of trouble? How do we come along and, and, and deal with the fact that, that life is, is hard, it's going to get harder? How do we deal with this? How do we respond to these troubled times? And what I want us to do this morning is look at Habakkuk, and we're going to read it in two different uh, ways, but Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, verse 17 through 19. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, Even if the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, if the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like deer's feet and has me walk on my high places. Father, we ask this morning for your wisdom as we read 
that in our times of trouble, in the hardships of life, when it seems as though our world is falling apart, we see from the writer of Habakkuk, Habakkuk himself, we see that he says, yet I will praise the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. Lord, may our response always be in our time of trouble, praising you. Whether we put ourselves in that trouble, so many of us, a lot of the things that went on in our lives are due to our own choices, our own faults. How do we get past those? We get past those by responding in praise to you that you have shown us mercy and grace. Others who are going through hard times because it's just life. How do they get through those tough times? They start by praising you. And what praise of you does in our, in our troubled times is it says to you, God, that you are our only hope and that all of our faith is in you. So, Father, thank you for being the God that we can trust even in the worst of times. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Here the writer is telling us in the most barren of times when the fig tree does not blossom, there's no fruit on the vine. In other words, everything is bare. You look into the, uh, the cupboard, you look into the refrigerator, you look into life and, and where the food is normally at and there's nothing there. He says the fields produce no food, even if the flock disappears from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls. If life literally feels as though it's falling apart and you're losing everything that you know to be good and everything that you've had for years that's been yours and all of a sudden it's all being stripped away, the response that you and I must have is yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. No matter how life is, is happening around you, our response in the times of trouble is to say to God, I trust you. I praise you. I rejoice in the one thing that I have that cannot go away, and that is my salvation. Habakkuk understands that, that everything can be taken from you, but one thing cannot, and that is the salvation that God has put upon those who will trust him. And believe. So he says, yet I will rejoice. I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Then we find here. New King James says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. No matter how you read it, it all still says the same thing. God has this. And the one thing that nothing can, that cannot be taken from me is my salvation. Our, our focus becomes more of how we feel in the moment instead of what is to come. And when we begin to focus on what we no longer have or what how life has changed, all of a sudden we focus just on that and we lose sight of just how good God is. You see, our salvation is eternal. And if I starve, if I have no food, if I die of malnourishment, you know what? I will still rejoice because you cannot take away the one thing that matters most in my life, and that is salvation. 
Think about how upset we get over trivial things, how upset we get over things that just don't really matter. They don't, they don't mean anything in the scheme of life. And yet we get so upset. But yet when it comes to our salvation, we don't think about it that often because, hey, man, I'm saved. That's all I need to know about. Folks, if we're truly saved, we live life out of that salvation. And that's what the writer here is doing. He is saying that no matter what happens in my life, no matter how bad it gets, that's not what's important to me. What is important to me is that God has given me salvation and no one can take that from me. So no matter how hard it gets, no matter how bad it gets, if I'm a believer, my hope is in the Lord. So I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Think about Daniel. I think about Daniel in the lion's den. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think about these men who were faced with great trials. Men in the Bible that we read and we know the accounts are true because God put them there. And, and we know that his word is good and true. And, and there's Daniel. He, he's moving up within the ranks of, his, of the people, the captives. And, and all of a sudden, uh, they make a decree that no one could pray to the Lord. Now, we know Daniel's heart, right? Daniel is one who prayed three times a day to the Lord. He, he prayed. He sought after God. And, and men set to trap him. They, they set out to try and, and, and trap him in, in praying to God and make it illegal. And, and, they, and they make it where there's a decree put out that only person that you could speak to would be King Darius. In verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6, after this decree has been made, after what has been done, Daniel knows what has been said. Daniel knows what has been done. In verse 10, we find it says, Now when Daniel learned that the document was signed, he entered his house, and in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and offering praise before his God, just as he had been doing previously. Now, this is Daniel. He has all of a sudden had a major change in life. Something drastic has happened. It has been told to him, you can no longer pray. Daniel understands that without my communication with God, I have no direction. I have no wisdom. I have no discernment. But there's been a decree. There's been a law set, a precedent set. And Daniel says, I'm sorry, but God supersedes whatever you tell me that I'm supposed to do. And so Daniel goes and he begins to do his normal thing. Now notice what it says. It says that Daniel here had windows. Now a lot of us in this room would be like, well, I'm going to seek God, but I'm going to do it with the windows shut. There's, there's a problem with that. It's much like these people that come to the to a lot of funerals that you preach, and, and, and they believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're believers because they believe in God. Yet, let me tell you, they've never darkened the door of a church. They have no clue what the Bible says. They just say that I believe in God, therefore I'm covered. But the truth is there are no undercover Christians. There are no secret Christians. Daniel understands that there are no secret worshipers of God. So what does he do? He raises the windows. He opens, however they did it, the windows are open. And he, three times a day, knowing that the people are watching him, he doesn't care because he's not concerned about the people. All he's concerned about is doing what he knows he's supposed to do, and that is seeking God. And he does it three times a day. Even though life has given him a challenge, even though he knows that if he gets caught, what's going to happen to him? 
Come on, kiddos, you know what's going to happen to Daniel. If he gets caught praying, what are they going to do to him? Throw him in the lion's den. I wonder how many of you would have still prayed, but you'd have done it with your windows shut. And you'll say, no, no, no. Even though life has dealt me a tough blow, I am not going to change what I do. I am still going to seek the Lord. By the way, can I tell you something? Daniel does get caught praying. He really doesn't get caught. Folks, he wasn't trying to hide. He wasn't worried about what people thought. Daniel is praying. Why? Because life has come at him and he's got trouble times. And how is he responding? By praising God, by seeking the Lord. And Daniel kneels three times a day, praying and offering praise before his God, just as he had always done. You know what a lot of us would have been doing during this time? We would not have been offering praise to God. You know what we'd have been doing? God, can you not fix this? God, you know how bad the situation is. Lord, I need you to save me from this. I need you to change this. And that's not what we see Daniel doing. What we see Daniel doing is in his trouble, he is still approaching God in the same way. Why? Because God has not changed. Your situation may change, but God does not change. That is why Daniel approaches him with praise and honor because Daniel understands God is sovereign. He already knew this was going to happen. And if I get thrown the lines then, so be it. Now, by the way, he gets thrown into the lines then. But what does God do with the lions? He shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel, in the midst of his trial, responded with praise of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've been told they have to bow down to this great image that's been made. And if they don't bow down, what's going to happen? That's right. They're going to throw them in the fire. So there's this fiery furnace. They've been told, listen, you've got to, you've got to bow down. And all three of them looked and said, listen, O king. We're not concerned with what you had to say because our God, if he so chooses, and even if he doesn't, our God is able to save us, but we will not bow. What are they doing at that very moment? Trouble has come. Life has changed. They're praising God. They're putting their faith in God and they're saying, go ahead and put us, get the fire ready because we're coming. I wonder how many of us are ready to be Christians like that. I wonder how many of us are actually ready to respond to God in faith and say, Lord, if they outlaw this, they might as well get the jail cell ready because I'm coming. If there comes a time when I can no longer freely pray and freely worship God, if there's a time where I can no longer speak truth of the Bible and speak about the things of the word of God, then they might as well get a jail cell ready because I'm coming. How many of us would respond this way? Because this is exactly what we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego doing. They're saying you might as well get the fire started because we're not bowing. They responded with praise to God. And what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They got put in the fiery furnace. How many went in? Do you remember? Three. But how many were in there? Four. And he had the face of what? The son of God. 
Isn't that pretty cool? I think that's pretty awesome. Here we have men who in their moment of trouble respond in faith to God. Our faith, responding in faith, is a praise to the Lord. We are showing that we trust God even when life has changed, even when everything seems to be falling apart. Yet I will praise you, the God of my salvation. So what are you going through? You can trust God with it. Finally, I want to show you one last picture, one that I think is, to me, the most powerful. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows what he's about to face, doesn't he? He knows what is coming. He knows that there is a rest coming. He knows that there is betrayal coming. He knows that he's about to be beaten to literally within an inch of his life. And then he's to take up his own cross and to carry it. He knows that he's going to have so much pressure, physical, emotional, spiritual, everything upon him. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to fall underneath the weight of the cross. He knows that they're going to take him to the cross. He knows that they're going to mock him. He knows they're going to do all of these things. And we find him here in the garden just before it happens. And Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Folks, here, life is about to change. This drastically for Christ. He has walked freely. He has done what he, what he does, but he knows that life is about to change. He's about to experience a physical anguish and pain like we have never experienced. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to grieve, be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Jesus is saying, I have such grief and such anguish over what is about to happen that I need you men to pray with me. Verse 39 says, he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. At this very moment, the son has put his complete trust in the father. If Christ, knowing what was about to happen, honors the Father by saying, not my will, but yours be done, whatever trouble you're in right now in your life, I want you to ask God, teach me to pray. God, teach me to pray in my troubled moment, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, teach me in this very moment that my faith in you is paramount. And that no matter what I go through here, my salvation is secure.
Satan wants you to just look at your current circumstance. And if you do that, you will be a very depressed Christian. You will be the old woe is me kind of guy. What God calls us to do is that when our life changes, we are to focus on the fact that no matter what, you cannot take away my salvation. So what are you going through today? Folks, what you're going through today is temporary. It's temporary. But what you focus on today and what you praise God for in the midst of your trouble is that my salvation cannot be lost no matter what happens. I belong to God. Aren't you thankful this morning? And you young people don't quite grasp this yet, but I have figured out that when you start getting older, and yes, I just said that I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah, David. Um, David, how old are you? 78, 78. David, if I look as good as you do at 50 that you do at 78, I'm going to feel pretty good about myself. You'll give me some advice? (laughs) I'll ask your wife first. The truth is, as you get older, you start to realize things. Things start changing. What you once thought would be you forever isn't you anymore. I used to laugh at people when they would tell me, I can't remember what I came in here for. (laughs) Yeah. I used to laugh at people when they said, I need the light to read the menu, right? I'm there. And my daughter laughs just as I laughed at my father. And my son-in-law doesn't help the situation at all. You say, why are you sharing that? Because, folks, we, life changes. But the one thing that I want to tell you this morning that we can all hold on to, and I close with this, I belong to God. And no matter what life throws at me, nothing can change that. Father, we thank you that even though life is sometimes something we can't even understand, It's too hard to grasp, too hard to explain. One thing we know for sure is we belong to you. I am yours. So, Father, my prayer is that I will respond by praising you. And I confess this morning before this church that I don't always do that. But instead, I I plead my case. I I try to understand why my situation's like this. And and yet, what's the point? There are some things I can change. There are some things I can't. And those things that I can't change are the things that I must choose to praise you 
in spite of those circumstances. And this morning, Father, thank you that no matter what is thrown my way, the moment that I breathe my last breath, these people will not have to wonder where I'm at. I will be with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for being the God of my salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.